most of us in medicine and, and actually many other professions as well are high achievers. And for high achievers, failure is often not an option. Uh, when you're in medical school, you're surrounded by other high achievers. And so it's very common to not want to share when you're really struggling or having challenges. That's pervasive through medicine. Lots of doctors uh, behave that way where, you know, they just keep going and keep going and they might be approaching burnout or feeling really stressed out and they just hesitate to express that. That's what I, that is referred to the culture of silence. This is Francesca from the Smart Growth Rocket podcast by topclassedge.com. More people than ever are making big leaps to their goals, carving their own paths, and being really successful in the process. And on this show, I talk to these bright, shiny, successful professionals and entrepreneurs to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies they're taking advantage of so we can all be happier and wealthier. All right, Smart Growth Rocket, happy 2023. I am so excited to be speaking with Dr. Nina Ahuja today. So Dr. Nina, if you could give us a little rundown about who you are, what you do, and some cool things that you're coming out with this year, that would be fantastic. Great. Thank you, Francesca, for having me. It's, it's really nice to be here and Happy New Year to you as well. I am an ophthalmic surgeon who's been in practice since 2003. I've loved working on eyes and operating on eyes. And through the years, I've taught a lot as well to uh, undergrad students in medicine, as well as residents who are becoming eye surgeons. Through the years with that, I saw that, you know, different supervisors, some are really good, others really aren't. And so we need to address that uh, training and leadership uh, education gap in medicine. And so through that, I've started an organization called Docs and Leadership, uh, through which I deliver leadership education for healthcare professionals. And a couple of programs that I'm really excited about are one that was uh, piloted last year uh, for med students and residents, Managing Stress in Med School and Residency. It's an emerging leaders program. And the second initiative, which is for pre-med students, unscripted uh, Q&A pre-med questions with me. So I'm really excited about those two things. Both are opening for access in uh, the end of this month, actually. Wow. End of January, yes? End of January. That's correct. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm, I'll probably ask some similar questions, but uh, hopefully there, there isn't too much of an overlap with your program. But nonetheless, speaking about pre-meds, what are some things that med school hopefuls, pre-meds, what is something that you think a lot of them ask? Ask about before they head to medical school? Uh, there are lots of common questions. And in fact, I talk all about a lot of those in the uh, pre-med video. Some of the big things though are really, is medicine even a fit for me? And I think that that is such a fundamentally important question because medicine is a very, very grueling profession. It's very satisfying as well. It's very uplifting, but it's also really hard. Uh, that's not to say that people can't do it, but I think that you have to be in the same space with expectations, knowing that this is something that aligns with what you want to do. A lot of times people are told that, oh, you need to go into medicine. Uh, other times people want to go into medicine, but they really don't have any idea what it's about. So understanding what your motivation is and why you want to get into medicine is really important. And then having some good insight into the field is also really important. So th those are questions around that are really quite common. And on that note, what is a quote unquote good reason to go into medicine or what's a good motivation versus maybe a motivation that really is not going to work for a person in the long run? That's a really important question. The things that are really in alignment with medicine are things like you want to help people. That's the most common reason people go into it. But also you want to be challenged intellectually because there's a lot of 
content to learn. There are lots of things to remember. Socially, you're dealing with different people, different personalities every day. Uh, and just lifestyle wise as well, that, you know, you like to do lots of things and be challenged on a day to day basis. Those things are really good reasons to want to pursue medicine. A common thing people think is that all doctors make a lot of money. That's not necessarily true. So that if that's your motivation, there are other ways to make a lot more money <laughs> doing medicine. Uh, we certainly do make a great living. I don't knock that at all. Uh, very fortunate for that. But that's not the case uh, for all specialties, all professions within uh, the medical field. And so your motivation really should be driven by something other than wanting to make a lot of money. <laughs> so I would say that that's really important to consider for yourself. It's so true. You really have to be aware of all those things that you're talking about and the realities of medicine. Now, this may or may not be relevant, but I've been hearing a lot about AI recently. I don't know if it's something that's come up on your side at all. Do you think that AI, do you think it will eventually play more of a role? I think AI is definitely an avenue that we're going to be utilizing more and more when it comes to uh, medicine, delivering patient care, as well as even in some aspects of education. The thing is, though, I don't think the human interaction can ever be replaced, whether it comes to uh, education or interactions with patients, the hands on learning, the insight that you get with years of experience. Uh, and just that, you know, that's from a professional standpoint in terms of the education side, but even patient interactions, there's nothing like talking to someone face to face and making eye contact to really understand where they're coming from. I know that in, you know, in my own experience with electronic medical records, medical keeping thing that we do to allow access and sharing of information between different people and organizations, that experience in itself has taught me how the human interaction is so important. I've never liked being at a computer and taking notes while someone's telling me how much pain they're in and how much their eyes bothering them and they can't see. Right. It just completely takes away from the experience and part of why I went into medicine, which is enjoying that interaction with people. So there is a place for AI, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but there's definitely the human element that has to be maintained if we're really going to be connecting with patients and helping them in, in a holistic way, not just in, you know, this is your problem, X, Y, Z. <laughs> we want to have that human element. I can't imagine a world where I show up and it's just, you know, I see a robot and the robot takes my my history. I, I couldn't picture a world like that anyway. So there's something to that human element that you just can't replace. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> now, you did mention a little bit uh, earlier about certain medical specialties being different than others, which... Of course, that's true. Are there any medical specialties that you think are, we'll say better, for lack of better terms, in terms of work-life balance? Which ones do you know or are you aware of that are more demanding in terms of that quote-unquote work-life balance? I think that's a, a very person-specific question. The reason I say that is because everyone has their own capacity for how much they can handle and how much they want to handle. Um, there are certain specialties, of course, that expect you to be more on site. So, for example, if you're working in the ICU, that's going to be high stress, high demands, high stakes uh, every single day uh, versus something like um, ophthalmology or otolaryngology, which is ears, nose and throat, where you're not dealing with patients who are potentially dying on you every day. Mm. So that level of stress is very different. And the work life balance is more naturally conducive for specialties like that. Uh, general surgery is one where you can hit a lot of emergencies that are life-threatening. And so, you know, that's more demanding in certain ways. However, your schedule is based on how you set your office and your on-call schedule. So that if your on-call schedule is one that is shared amongst a large group, you'll be able to have a little bit more balance compared to being in a smaller group. If you're in one of those specialties that has that 
life-threatening outcome, for example, if you're not there. So it's very specialty dependent, for sure, uh, where there are aspects that make it a little bit more demanding uh, or a lot more demanding. But again, it also comes down to the type of person you are and how much you like to give in the various areas and what you feel is important in in your life. So that we talk a lot about work-life balance, but a lot of it is work-life integration, really, because so much of what you do in one feeds into the other. I like that a lot. Work-life integration. Yeah, that's different. All right. And on that note, you do have a, a program you mentioned where you're helping med school students and residents. So how does that type of a program fit in when it comes to a med student's or even a resident schedule? Because I've heard they're hectic. <laughs> yes, that's a great question. So the program that I've put together has three components to it. One is course curriculum, which is pre-recorded videos that you can watch on your own time. So basically, uh, you can watch it at three in the morning if you want, or you can watch it at 8 a.m. or 2 p.m. It's really up to you. There is a live component as well, which is a Q&A so that people can be in touch with me on a biweekly basis and ask any questions that they have. And if you can't make those sessions, they're recorded so that people can access the recordings to that. And then there's the community of all of the students who are involved in the program, which you can access at any time. So while the med student and resident schedule is very busy, it's a very self-paced program because if you can't attend the live components, their recordings, and then, like I said, the curriculum is based in recordings, and the community is just open access because it's it's a group of you. You can reach out to each other anytime you like. So it's very conducive to a busy schedule. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that fits right in with a busy person schedule, especially if you can reach out 24-7 to your own community. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, taking a look at your book, so you do have a book amongst all the other things that you've done. Stress in Medicine, Lessons Learned Through My Years as a Surgeon, From Med School to Residency and Beyond. And at the back of that book, I see there's a line and it says something that that along the lines of stress in medicine challenges this culture of silence. So that really piqued my interest. Uh, What was that silence that you're referring to? And could you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So most of us in medicine and, and actually many other professions as well are high achievers. And for high achievers, failure is often not an option. Uh, when you're in medical school, you're surrounded by other high achievers. And so it's very common to not want to share when you're really struggling or having challenges. That's pervasive through medicine. Lots of doctors uh, behave that way where, you know, they just keep going and keep going and they might be approaching burnout or feeling really stressed out and they just hesitate to express that that's what I that is referred to the culture of silence Uh, and so the challenging culture of silence becomes really important so that we can have open discussions and really be able to support each other and also not just emotionally support each other but identify those things in the system for example that can be addressed to help make our circumstances better so that we're not approaching burnout so that we're not afraid to express when we're struggling so that we can actually improve the way we are in the system the way the system's working so that ultimately we're uh, impacting patient care in a positive way as well so the culture of silence is something that's ingrained uh, early on actually in medical education as well Mm -hmm. Uh, there are other challenges that med students face where you know there's a hierarchy often where you know you're a student and therefore approaching a supervisor there are certain things you can approach them about and certain things you can't approach them about um really you should be able to approach them about anything and so there are different challenges that support that culture of silence that i'm really trying to to challenge so that we can support the mental health and emotional health of the students as we go through whether you're in med school or residency and then 
help you set foundation so that when you get into practice, you live that way and you can have that work-life integration in a positive way. And then mentor and role model to other students who are coming behind you as well. Okay. So I think you you kind of answered my next question, but I'll ask it nonetheless. Maybe you can give us a bonus. If you could give us a sneak peek, a gold nugget of wisdom about managing stress, whether it's at the pre-med level, at the med student level, or at the residency level, what might that gold nugget of wisdom be? I think number one is you need to acknowledge that you're you're struggling. That is the biggest thing. And with that, you shouldn't hesitate to ask for support. Now, sometimes when you're in that moment, it can be very, very confusing. And you may have all these emotions and all these thoughts coming your way, and you may not know what direction to go in. Uh, that's where I actually uh, have a framework called admit, which I like to use to help gain clarity in those moments. So um, I talk all about that in, in my uh, med student resident program, but essentially it's a it's a an acronym. Admit is encouraging you to admit that you're struggling. That's why I like to admit. <laughs> That's and then it basically, you know, encourages you to look at, you know, what phase is, is your stress coming from? Is it that you're having trouble adapting to something new or doing the work? Or you're measuring success for yourself in a way that's, you know, not necessarily fair or too high of an expectation. Are you taking time to be introspective and to reflect on what you feel and think about things? And then are you open to transformation and changing that way of behavior and thought so that it's something that helps to support you and encourage you rather than deplete you and demotivate you and cause you stress? So it starts with being willing to admit that you're having trouble and then working through different tools and strategies and seeking support to help you through. Hmm. That reminds me of a story, actually. I have a, I had a, well, sort of a friend of a friend. She was either, she was in some kind of either family medicine or I don't know if it was internal or something like that. I remember she broke down one day because she felt like she was failing every single day. And I remember those words actually coming out of her mouth saying, I just feel like I'm, I'm failing every single day. And mm -hmm. I wonder, is that something that a lot of students or a lot of residents and doctors experience, do you think? From your experience, of course, and from your knowledge. Sure, I would say absolutely, to some degree. Imposter syndrome is what we refer to it as, where basically you're doing things, and you're getting things done, and yet you're not internalizing what you're doing. And so you think that you're failing all the time, or just not good enough. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very common uh challenge that students face in med student in, in med school and residency. Uh, some physicians in practice even face that. So that that's why the earlier you you learn to change your mindset and really acknowledge what you're accomplishing, the better it is. And that's what I'm trying to strive to do when I'm working with students so that they actually are recognizing the progress they're making. It's really about progress, not perfection. And yet as high achievers, we're you know so commonly striving for perfection. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and this one's a little, I'll, I'll call it a fun question. It's more of an interesting question, just out of my curiosity, really. So Grey's Anatomy, you've probably heard of the show. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> maybe has, maybe the show's inspired a number of future doctors out there. But do you feel like there's any, is there any ounce of truth in that show? Is it anything <laughs> like the reality of medical school and residency and fellowships? Or is it is it just TV? <laughs> Sure. Well, I, I can tell you, um, my time was ER. I don't know if you've heard that program. Ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> In my time, the Economy of Grey's Anatomy was ER. Um, there, I mean, there's, I would say that it's just TV. However, at the same time, you know, you do develop relationships and small communities and groups within, within the field, right? So when they show the relational aspect, I'm not talking about, you know, the intimate relationship. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> 
but the fact that you do work together the friendships, and, the and the friendships and all those, <laughs> those are all very, very true. Uh, these shows often show everything in crisis all the time. Yes. Uh, there are select moments where that is the case, but generally speaking, it's it's a it's a great environment to work in. Uh, it's a paced environment as well. Certainly, there are times where things are heightened, and you have to be able to respond to that. But uh, it it is just TV. But nonetheless, <laughs> motivating to many, and like I said, ER was motivating to me. It was my connection to that. And uh, end goal, that was a nice weekly reminder of, of where I wanted to go. And we didn't have um, PVR at that time. So I had to wait the week. Oh. <laughs> the next episode. oh, my gosh, that and house. I remember house being one of yes, those. That's right. That was an interesting one. But I, I've heard from a, a number of different sources that it's pretty inaccurate in terms of the way things actually, quote unquote, work yes. in a yeah. hospital. So <laughs> I know about that one. Right. And uh, last thing that I'll ask you is tell us a little bit more. You mentioned that end of January, you've got some exciting things coming up. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what we can expect, how to learn more if uh, anyone wanted to have some more details and uh, any, any other information would be great. Sure, absolutely. So uh, end of January, both programs will be launching uh, the med student resident one for new enrollment because that already has run and the pre-med uh, program will open up as well. That's actually a, a video informational thing, not a program per se. But those who do decide to uh, access that will receive a copy of my book as well, uh, Stress and Medicine, as you mentioned earlier. The additional things that are coming down the pipeline that I'm really excited about is I will be doing live sessions with open enrollment uh, with oh. no fees uh, twice a year, one in March, uh, the date to be determined, and then another one in the fall. So whether you're a pre-med student, a med student, or a resident, or even a physician, you're more than welcome to attend. It's basically going to be a themes relating to stress and medicine, common challenges, things like, you know, fitting in. Uh, to your program? How do you feel about things? Imposter syndrome, all that kind of stuff. So more of a general session open to anybody. Uh, all of these things are promoted on my social media. So I'm on Instagram uh, and Twitter. The handle is at Nina Ahuja MD. And I do have a website as well, docsandleadership.com. So there'll be updates on all of those things. And then uh, if you decide to join the email list by the website, uh, certainly I'll be sending emails out as well to let people know what's coming. So we'll have all of that information in the description for anyone who wants to check that out. And with that, thank you so much, Nina, for joining us today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure getting to know you. And I know this is going to benefit so many students and prospective future doctors out there. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Smart Growth Rocket. If you feel like you're enjoying these podcasts and that you're benefiting, I would absolutely love your support. Feel free to share, like, comment, or continue listening wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Until next time, to your success. Mm -hmm.